You know, there's some things in life that you, you just can't afford to allow to roll over the top of you. Have you ever had moments in life where it just feels like life itself is just like rolling right, up, right over the top of you? Um, it's great sometimes, it's like, you know, just running in, ahead of the train and everything's going great and, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're in front of the train or you're on the train, sometimes you're under the train. Yeah. And, and there's, there's things that we can't let roll over, it's things like certain feelings. We can't afford to let roll over us. Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it to the full. And yet, uh, if we let certain things roll over us, it will steal that life that he's really come to give us. Certain attitudes that we just can't afford, our, our, our soul can't afford. We think we can afford them. We, often we throw a little pity party. We actually think we deserve to feel bad sometimes. Come on, let's be honest. Who's ever felt like, I deserve to feel rotten. I deserve a bad day. Leave me alone. Stop trying to cheer me up. That's me talking to Sue most, most Monday mornings. No, no, it's not. Um, but there's certain things. There's, sometimes you're faced with things that, you know, are situational like relationships. And something comes up and uh, it, it really knocks you down and it threatens to roll right over the top of you. But there's certain things, you know, certain things you've got to let go through to the keeper. It's just life. And then there's other things where you've actually got to stand your ground. You've actually got to stand up. You've actually got to refuse to let something roll over the top of you. Health issues, things with your finances, whatever it is, the stuff of life. There's certain things that you just can't afford to sort of, ah, well, K sarah, sarah. What will be, will be, and let it roll over the top of you. And, uh, and so I wonder how you are today. And I know this is what I questioned in myself just yesterday afternoon. I wrote like four messages for today and, uh, and praise God at about nine o'clock last night, I finally got one that I really felt was right, uh, which sprung out of a talk that I had with an individual late yesterday afternoon. And uh, I wonder how you are at standing up. It's a rhetorical question. How you are at bouncing back. How you are at keeping on, keeping on and, and maybe pushing back sometimes when pushback is needed. And I want to look at a, a story today in scripture. Uh, it's, a, it's an old story. I have not preached this maybe for many, many years. It used to be like one of my favourite passages. Uh, I'm going to just look at this story and then I'm going to shift to the New Testament. So we're going to start in 2 Samuel chapter 5 and it's a story about David as king of Israel and, uh, and one of the major battles that he was involved in with enemies. And it says, now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel. So David is just new in the seat over the whole nation. He'd already led um, Judah as a tribe, his own tribe, for uh, seven years. And now, finally, Israel has sort of caught up. The, the other tribes, the other ten tribes, have now anointed him king. And it's interesting, it says, when the Philistines, who were traditional enemies in that sense, when they heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And they weren't welcoming him to the throne, just by the way. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. 
The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of the place Baal Perazim. So when it says he went up to Baal Perazim, it's looking retrospectively. David actually gave that place this name because of the battle that was fought there. Just a couple of things to notice out of this story I want to illustrate. And, uh, and that is for David, God was doing something fresh. God was doing something new. God was wanting to take him into his future. And just notice that the moment he started to get momentum and he's starting to move towards his future, his his enemies do not appreciate the fact that his uh, platform is growing, that his, uh, his influence is growing, that if we can put it this way, his personhood literally is growing. And I think that's a principle every one of us faces in life. The moment you begin to get going in life and get some momentum, some good things start to happen. God wants to, to, to propel you and move you. It could be in your business. It could be in your personal life in some level. It could be just simply your spiritual journey with him. Momentum in ministry, whatever it is, that's something that the the destroyer of men's souls, the the enemy, the devil, does not want to allow to go through. We talk about things that we need to stand up against. That's something that stands up and resists every one of us the moment we determine that we're going to get on God-ordained purpose and we're going to fulfill whatever God's put on our life. I'm, I'm determined to be whatever Jesus wants me to be and I want to go forward with that. And the moment we do that, we will find resistance. The enemy will gather. What is happening at Baal Perazim is all about containment. You say you've got a vision. You say you've got a hope. You say God's put something on your life. You think you've got a business in you. You think you're an artist. You think you're a musician or a songwriter. You think that you've got something to contribute. And then fear and, uh, and doubt and self-doubt, everything else gathers against you to try and withstand you getting to your future. You okay? I seem more excited to be preaching this than you are to be receiving it. You okay? A second thought that we see in there, you know, David calls it Baal Perazim, which literally means owner of the breakthrough or Lord of the breakthrough. Lord of the breakthrough. And I want to talk to you today about developing a breakthrough spirit. Whatever you're facing in life, wherever you're challenged at the moment, it could be in your marriage, it could be in a relationship with your kids, it could be uh, in your financial situation, it could be a major health struggle, it might be attitudinal, it might be poor thinking, negative thinking or critical thinking, there might be pain in your relationships, whatever it is. I'm going to encourage you today to develop a breakthrough spirit that doesn't just sit back and go, well, the enemy's come to me, so I might as well just retire. But David went down, positioned himself in a stronghold, positioned himself in a place of strength. 
and then sought God and in the end broke through, won the battle. He says he's broken through. The Lord has broken through my enemies as water breaks through. So the whole thought is it's like a dam wall bursting. The enemy came and was like the dam wall that thought that it could contain me. But because of God's power operating through me and with me, I have broken through my containment as water breaks forth. Come on, who wants to have that kind of spirit? There's like a little core right here that does. Everyone else is a little bit glazed over. It's holidays. I thought I'd pick a cheerful message. Try and buck you up in the middle of holidays. Is that all right? Oh, come on. There's some things you can't afford. You can't afford that pity party. You can't afford that critical or negative thinking. You can't afford to play with doubt anymore. You have to break out. And by God's power, he wants you to break out. Determine. Don't live frustrated. Don't live confused. Don't live angry anymore. Don't live disappointed. Don't live in those places. Break out. Let God develop something in your spirit that causes you to rise. And you know what? This is a skill. This is like a life skill. And you don't just need it once, I've found. It was interesting as I just read this story again, I, I, I resisted the temptation to go back to old notes that I've done on this message from years ago. I just read it again and read it afresh. And what really struck me was just how relevant it is right now to my life, to what it was probably 20 plus years ago. That we never stop having to rise and break out because containment comes. Sometimes it comes as a full-on frontal assault. Other times it subtly just creeps over your mind and begins to cloud your vision and create doubt in your heart. So we're ready to develop a breakthrough spirit today. So how? That's the other point. I could take some points from this story, but as I said, I wanted to just use it as an illustration. Uh, I want to go to Romans 12, switch to the New Testament. And Paul has a list in Romans 12 that, um, that is a brilliant list. You could preach every statement, every phrase, every point that Paul makes. I looked last night for about nine verses. We won't do that. I'm going to do one verse today that I journaled on this week that I thought, wow, that is an absolute key. If you want to re-energize, revitalize and develop a breakthrough spirit, Paul gives you a beautiful formula right here in Romans chapter 12. It's interesting in my New King James Bible, my version of it actually was on the Bible app, whichever version I was looking and I think this is, uh, this is uh, New King James. Um, it actually has, you know how they have headings on the tops of the chapters and things? And they're not inspired, that's just what the publishers or the, the editors, they, they choose to try and encapsulate the thought in the verse. And, uh, and mine says this, the thought from the publisher is, behave like a Christian. <laughs> and then there's this big list. And it's like, what a novel idea. Like, I mean, what a, Paul's saying, behave like a Christian. It's like, it's a good idea, you know. And so we're going to look at it, we're going to look at it in, uh, let's see, verse 12, Romans 12, 12. And he gives the church this exhortation that I believe by the Holy Spirit God wants to give us today. He says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, 
continuing steadfastly in prayer. You want a snippet of what it looks like to behave like a Christian? It's rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, and continuing steadfastly in prayer. So I just want to look at these thoughts. These are, this is just to help you, help us develop a breakthrough spirit. It's already energised me over the last you know, 12, 14 hours. It's energised me. He says, rejoice in hope. Rejoicing in hope. In other words, celebrate hope. Celebrate hope. You know, we're all different. We're all different personalities. We've got different propensities in life. Um, Some of us are more positive than others. Some of us are more hopeful than others, you know, as a natural bent. But one thing is for sure that at some point, every one of us will be tempted to think negatively. Every one of us, that is a common human trial and challenge that we face. Where all of a sudden it seems like there's, there's more going against us than what's going for us. That our best opportunities may be already gone or whatever it is. Whatever that looks like, we are tempted to focus on the negative. We're tempted to focus on the critical. We're tempted to focus on what's not taking us into our future, if I could say that. And then fear enters in. It's how we get fearful. You know, at the end of the day, when, when you're fearful about stuff, it's because you're thinking about it. Yeah. Now, some things, you know, it's, it's good. If you're climbing a 10-storey building to clean the windows on the outside, it's good to have a healthy fear of heights. Yeah. Probably be aware of where you are. Don't step back off that platform, that kind of thing. But, but for some of us, you've noticed it's just totally, it's not connected to anything. It's just the way you feel. And, and wherever fear is, anxiety follows quick after. We've got an epidemic of, of anxiety in our society. And wherever anxiety is, depression is sure to follow. Scripture actually links anxiety and depression and simply says that anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. And yet here's Paul saying something to his society, which I'm telling you was nowhere near as prosperous, nowhere near as entertained, nowhere near as well-dressed, nowhere near as well-off, didn't eat as well, didn't have access to medicine. And he's telling them, you rejoice in hope. In a sense, he's saying rejoice in the unseen. What is hope? Hope is no more than a, a happy expectation of good. There's the definition of hope. The happy expectation of good. Uh, maybe, something, maybe something good could happen. And so here's Paul saying, again, behave like a Christian. You should be rejoicing in hope. Notice he's not just saying have hope. Oh, I've, I've got a bit of hope, I guess. He's saying rejoice in hope. And, and you know, to rejoice in something, you've got to absolutely focus on it. You've got to give it your full attention. You've actually got to appreciate it and love it and lift it up to celebrate hope. 
It's more than just having a little bit of hope, but it's celebrating. And in that way, we focus on what God could actually do. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Before you can have faith for your situation to break through, you've got to have hope. Hope is the blueprint. People say, how do I get faith? Read the Bible. Yeah, Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's a great thing. But I look at this principle and it's like, man, I tell you what the foundation is. The word of God can, in, can fuel that faith. But before you even go there, you've got to get hope about something. And that's why Paul says, look, no matter what is containing you, no matter what is frustrating you, annoying you, angering you, whatever it is, for a start, start to celebrate hope in that situation. Start to find something that you can believe God for and begin celebrating and getting excited about it because then... You're starting to develop a spirit that can break through. Before you get there, you're just going to get rolled over by that circumstance. And if you're lucky, it'll stop before you drown. Or you can be proactive and you can go, you know what? When these things come to contain me and what God's put in my heart, what God's put on my life, what God wants for my family, what God wants for this ministry, what God, you know, you insert your situation. Well, then now I'm going to rise and I'm going to begin to celebrate hope. I'm going to start thinking of just some little thing that I can focus on and I'm going to celebrate it. I don't care how small it is. Any little glimmer will do. And all of a sudden hope begins to rise, begins to spring forth in your hearts. Don't just have it celebrated. It's like from, well, tomorrow's another day, I guess. You know, in a sense that's hopeful, but that's not celebrating it. When you celebrate hope, you say, tomorrow is going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what it contains. And I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still a little bit concerned, but I'm going to celebrate the potential yeah. that tomorrow could be. Celebrate hope. Rejoicing in hope. Because it's the foundation of your faith. It's the kickstarter. Come on, who, who feels like they might need a kickstarter to some faith in their life? Yeah. You want to kickstart your faith. I was watching a, watching a YouTube clip this week of an old uh, warbird, an old World War II plane that they'd got going, this rare thing. And they used to start them with a cartridge, like a, literally like a little cannon shell, but it didn't have a projectile. Stick it inside the engine somewhere and fire it and it would spin the engine and this old warbird started up. Man, that's hope for you, for your engine of faith. Get hope in a cartridge and stuff it in there and celebrate it. Strike that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the next minute you'll be... They sound awesome, don't they? Does anyone else here love those engines? And I just love listening to them. Celebrate hope. It's the foundation of a breakthrough spirit. Patient in tribulation. Are you, are you going okay? Yeah. You're listening keenly, aren't you? When Derek starts jumping up and doing that, I know I'm really hitting hard. Own patience. Patient in tribulation. Own patience. I say that because, because I think if we're not careful, we resent patience. We resent circumstances that require us to practice it. 
Think about it. Whenever you need patience, it's, it's never a good situation. You don't need patience when everything's going your way. You just don't need it. It's like everything's going my way. Like, life is good, man. I'm just flow, going with the flow, bro. But whenever we need patience, it's generally because there's a hold-up, there's a, there's a gap, there's a, the bridges out ahead, whatever it is, there's a wall, there's a, there's a containment of some kind. And, and that's why I say own patience. Own it, determine, this is mine, I'm going to own this space. I'm not going to resent having to be patient. I'm not going to be passive in patience as if it's the only thing I can do is dig my toes in. I think patience is far more active than that. Far more proactive than that. But the fact is, even if that's all patience is, it's still an absolute powerful survival skill. Just digging your toes in. Just determining, you know what? I'm not going to resent these moments. I'm digging my toes in. I'm determined to do this season well until I come out the other side. That's how you develop a breakthrough spirit. Sometimes standing your ground is the only thing you can do. Come on, who's ever been there where it's like, man, I'd love to do 50 things, but I can't do anything about the only thing I can do is stand my ground. Well, that's great. Because often it's the only thing you need to do. Which makes it the best thing you can do. <laughs> if it's the only thing you need to do, if it's the only thing you can do, it makes it the only thing you should be doing. <laughs> you know, Sue and I, and I, I've mentioned this before, but we went through a particular season in our life and we lost uh, three of our parents and Sue lost an uncle and we lost a, a very good friend to very tragic circumstances, all in a very compressed space of time. I did uh, four of the five funerals and none of them were easy funerals. did all the funerals for our parents. And, um, and at the same time, the, this church was not quite as happy as it is now. You know, there were, there were transition issues. Um, and we also had a teenager that just, just seemed to wake up sometimes deciding to make our life difficult in the, I'm trying to say this very very politically correctly in case they ever hear the tape um, so it was a really really difficult time and some days I remember it and Sue will agree with this sometimes it was painful just waking up have you ever been in a season and often it is when you're grieving and as we were but where you're waking up and it's in the early wee hours and you're waking up and you're thinking, now tomorrow didn't happen, did it? It was just a dream. And then when you wake, you realise, no, yesterday actually happened. This is my new reality. This is our new reality. And we seem to do that for three or four years, or three years that was. It all happened in three years, didn't it? And um, they were very, very, very <laughs> difficult. It was a difficult season. But somewhere in there, you know, Sue and I just determined we're going to push through. We're just going to put our heads down and push through. It was like a simple determination. We will outlast the pain. And, and you know, I guess now, looking back, I'm so glad we did. There's been so many good things on the other side of all that where in the moment it just feels like, oh my goodness, could this please stop? Just stop for a moment. Just life, stop so that I can recover and try and get my pace back. But you know what? Patience just brought us through. I guess at the end of the day, it was like, you know, 
that's what we're going to do. That was actually our proactive plan, was to outlast the pain. And I was talking to this individual yesterday and um, they're going through a particularly difficult season on uh, on a number of levels as well. And as we finished our discussion, and we talked for quite some time, uh, he summarised by saying, well, I guess what can you do? You know, it's like all this stuff is happening, what can you do? And I simply said to him, mate, you just keep going. You can just keep going. That's what you can do. That's the best response in a season like that. Man, that's a breakthrough spirit. You see it? Instead of letting it roll over you, instead of just lamenting, instead of throwing a pity party at every opportunity, is this determination. No, my patience is not inactive. It's active. I'm actively standing exactly where I need to stand. This is all I need to do. Therefore, it's the best thing I can do. And I'm going to stand and I'm going to outlast my circumstances. I'm going to outlast my critics. I'm going to outlast that negative spirit, that bad attitude. I'm going to outlast my depression. And come back into a place of hope. Own patience. Because it's how you develop a breakthrough spirit. And the last thought Paul's got there is continuing steadfastly in prayer. You know, one of the greatest temptations we face, and, and I, I think it's funny because I think mostly Christians, they, we, we feel like most of the temptations are the bad things we do. We, when, when, whenever a sin comes up as discussion, it's generally the sins of commission that people talk about. Said this, did that, thought this, Whatever. Um, And yet I think one of the greatest temptations we face is to become prayerless. I think it's the most devastating spiritual temptation that we face. And you'd say, well, Chris, is is it a sin to be prayerless? Well, Jesus did say some things like he just expected they would happen, like when you pray. He says a number of those statements where it's like this is just assumed that you connect with God if you're a person of faith. And I'm amazed, you know, sometimes when I'm talking to people about their situations, their circumstances, containment that's coming against them, that if I actually ask them what's God said to them, what's God saying, they don't know because they haven't asked. They haven't actually talked to God about it. They've talked to their friends. They've consulted Facebook or whatever else. They've, they've freaked out. They've bought themselves, you know, a, a big chocolate mud cake. They've done everything they can to deal with their circumstance, the one thing they haven't done is just gone and lay down at the feet of Jesus and let him speak into their heart. And I think there's a reason Paul uses the language he does. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer. You know, it's almost like Paul recognises, look, there, you will be tempted to drop this. You'll be tempted to slack off. You'll be tempted to to think you're too busy. Have you ever noticed that when, when you're successful, when things are going well, you get too busy to pray? Well, actually, you're too busy not to pray. If you think you're too busy to pray, that's a classic indicator that you are too busy not to pray because if you're that busy, you can't get by on your own strength. You need God. You need God in that. 
You know, and sometimes when things are just doing well for us, we're tempted to believe that we can just handle this and we can just go and flow in our own strength. As a matter of fact, I'd have to say that when things are going well for me, that's the most prayerless I ever am. I was hoping someone might agree with me and take, take some of this guilt. I mean, I can't bear all the guilt for all of us, okay? But you'll notice it. And often pressure does push us into God. But actually, you know, sustained pressure, sometimes we start to question, is praying really working? Are my prayers making any sort of a difference? And I want to tell you, prayer is not out of vogue. Prayer is an essential. When you're talking about building a breakthrough spirit, you're talking about containments that wouldn't be containments if you were big enough to get through them anyway. They are containments because you've recognised this is beyond me. This is too big. This is going to hold me back. This is going to... I'm, I'm wrestling with these thoughts. It might be internal things. I'm wrestling with these thoughts. I can't deal with them. I'm wrestling with these emotions that I can't deal with. It could be external. I have, I, I have no idea what this company's going to do and what that's going to do or what the government's going to do. Those things are containments that are beyond you. How much more do you need Jesus in the middle of all that? In the middle of all that. Prayer is still relevant. It's still the best chance you have when you're feeling contained to survive and not only to survive, but to break through and then thrive. The way that it changes us, it's power to change us. God's power working through us as we connect with heaven. And at the end of the day, Jesus or Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 7, I think it is, he says, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. And that's the place of prayer. We can go, Lord, all these containments, I can't see the way forward. Human wisdom's not going to get me there. But I just come to you and I lay it all down and I roll. And I do this. I honestly do. Sometimes I'm walking around this auditorium and I literally go and I'm just rolling it off on you, Jesus. I'm just rolling it off because I just can't bear this anymore. And you haven't called me to. I'm not Messiah. And you're not Messiah of your own life either. He is. So I'm going to roll it off on you developing a breakthrough spirit, celebrating hope, finding a glimmer somewhere in your situation and then lifting it up higher than everything everything else that you're tempted to focus on. All the fear, the negativity, the anxiety, lift up hope and celebrate it. Tomorrow's going to be different and it's going to be awesome and God's going to get on this and God's going to do something in this. If I just keep my heart open, if I just keep my spirit open, if I just keep putting one foot after the other and when I can't do that, I'll just stand and I'll own patience. I'll own this space. I won't resent it. I'll own it. And I'll commit. I'll fuel this fire, I'll fuel this breakthrough spirit with a prayer life that connects with heaven and sees heaven done on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Breakthrough you can tame. Warren's with me. I can see Warren's with me. This is good old Pentecostal preaching sort of thing, Warren, isn't it? Except I'm not. Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. 
Pastor Warren has pastored churches, planted churches, served in churches as long as I've known, and Gaylene, and they are just an exceptional couple. An exceptional couple. Love you guys too, by the way. Where were we? Developing a breakthrough spirit. Come on, what are you, what's rolling over you that you can't afford to let roll over you? Here's some quick questions. The first one is this. Do you really want to develop a breakthrough spirit? Not just be inspired in the moment, but do you want to develop something in your heart that carries you through life? First question, it's the most obvious question we've got to ask. Here's some others that help us process this. Will you choose to celebrate hope when you just want to throw a pity party? There's your options. I can either throw a pity party for myself or I can celebrate hope, which I can't do both. You know, you can, you can either complain or you can change things, but you can't do both. So you can either throw yourself a pity party or you can celebrate hope, but you can't do both. So which, which one is it? Will you take responsibility to exercise patience in what you face? Take responsibility, own it. In other words, embrace it. Not begrudgingly, but with a calm confidence that it will see you through. Patience is a great weapon in my arsenal. Will you commit or recommit yourself to prayer, to seeking God, to knocking on heaven's door until you see his will done? Simple, just three simple things. Celebrate hope. Own patience. Own this space I'm in, no matter how painful it is. Own it. And pray and fuel this breakthrough spirit with a touch of heaven. Amen. I want to pray for us this morning. I think that's spoken to some hearts here today. So why don't we stand? Why don't we stand in God's presence? Thank you, Father, for your goodness, for your word that inspires us and also gives us the most practical of ways to work vision out in our life, to to break through containment, whatever level, whatever area of our lives. Father, I pray for people right now that are struggling in their thinking with, uh, with feelings right now, overcome by feelings in Jesus' name. Father, I pray specifically for those that are overcome by feelings that are not healthy. Not the, not the healthy, difficult feelings, but the unhealthy ones. The ones that have no base. The ones that have no reason. Father, I pray for such a spirit of breakthrough in their heart and in their mind that they're just determined to to rise and to throw off the shackles of containment in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for people who are struggling with attitudes, things going on in their heart that shouldn't be there, offence, bitterness, whatever it is, greed, lust, whatever it is. Father, I just pray for such a, a spirit of breakthrough to come upon them This morning in this place, just the desire to break free, the desire to be all they can be, to be free of chains of containment that so easily ensnare us in Jesus' name. Father, for those that are are looking for breakthrough in relationships and whether that's with children or with spouses or workers or wherever that is, Students, wherever that is, they're looking for breakthrough, Father. I believe there's a breakthrough spirit upon your teachers this morning. Just teachers. You know, if you teach kids on any level, in any, any place, 
I just believe for breakthrough in Jesus' name, for your words to make a difference, for, for the shades and the shutters and the dullness and the insensitivity to come off and for hearts to open in Jesus' name, supernaturally. God, anoint your ministries in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And for those of us facing other containments in life, it just could be buffeting in the workplace, it could be financial in their own personal worlds. Father, just pray for this sense of, man, I am, I'm going to celebrate hope. I'm going to stand and then I'm going to stand and then I'm going to stand again until my head comes out the other side of this. And all the way through, I'm going to fuel this breakthrough spirit by touching heaven and changing earth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Now, if you're here today and maybe the Christian journey is not your primary thing, it's, it hasn't, that hasn't been your thing, but, you know, I, I'm just talking, I guess, about a God who, who loves us. He gives us principles for us to live our lives to the max. And you, you might be here today and that you're a little bit foreign to that. But I want to tell you that God's not foreign to you. He loves you. He knows you. You're not here by accident. He's got you here on divine appointment this morning. And even if this has not been your story, it can become your story today. The Bible says that when we place our faith in Him, our sins, our past is forgiven. His Spirit comes into us and He begins to change us and make us brand new from the inside out. And if you're here today and it's like, that's exactly what I need, then I want to give you the opportunity. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, you know, if you're here and you just would say, Pastor Chris, I need Jesus. I need God in my life the way you've been talking about today. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity. Why don't you just put your hand straight in the air, right where you are, and I want to pray for you in a few moments. I won't embarrass you. We're all going to pray together, the whole church. But just right now, if you're ready to take that step of faith and you haven't done that, but you want to do it, just raise your hand right where you are. Just as I look across, I won't prolong it. Don't want to make anyone feel awkward. I want to create opportunity because this is one of the most powerful things you can ever do in your life. Just looking across one more time. Awesome, mate. I see your hand. Praise God. Wonderful. Okay, let's, um, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I'll follow you. Amen. Amen. Well, you know what? That's just how easy it is to begin a relationship with Jesus. And Maddie's going to tell you a little bit more about it for the, for the rest of us, for all of us. Come on, who's ready to... This is a good message for parents on school holidays, I just realised. If your kids are at home, this is like breakthrough spirit. That's exactly what I need. Awesome. God bless you.